our gospel lesson this morning. We're, we normally start with the Old Testament lesson, but that's actually where we're going to be talking about, as I mentioned earlier in Daniel. So we'll start with our gospel lesson, Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 to 68. And uh, this is skipping ahead in the story, kind of where we've been, uh, where we've been recently. But this is Jesus, who has already been arrested, but it is before he goes to the cross. And uh, before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that you've given to us. Or you tell us that the, uh, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but your word endures forever. Lord, in all these uh, rapidly changing times, we pray that you would direct our attention again to what, what lasts, what is eternal. Lord, we pray this morning, that you would help us to focus our attention on who you are and the promises that you have made and the good news of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter uh, 26, verses 57 through 68. says, Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and declared, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, From now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? Turning then to our New Testament lesson from 1 Peter. As we continue our readings in 1 Peter, we're 1 Peter chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, and the beginning of chapter 2. 1 Peter 1, 22 through chapter 2, verse 3. Peter writes, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. 
For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this morning, as we've mentioned already, things are weird. (laughs) Uh, And we're actually doing something a little different this morning and not because of, um, not because everybody's at home, but because of where we are in the Gospel of John. We've been preaching through the Gospel of John, and there is a question that people are going to ask. We'll look at it next week uh, more. But they're asking a particular question that in order for us to have an understanding and be able to answer that, we're going to look back at Daniel. We're looking at Daniel chapter 7. And uh, and this passage is weird. I'm warning you up front, this is a weird passage. And I'm not even going to tell you about it before I read it because I want you to feel the weirdness of it. I know we already feel weird from being where we are, <laughs> not all here together. Uh, but in our own locations, things are weird. This passage is weird. I want you to feel it. So here it goes. It's Daniel chapter 7. We're just going to read the first 13 verses where he has this vision. Goes like this. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream. And visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me, were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion and had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back, it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like that, eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. 
His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's weird stuff, right? Can we acknowledge that's a weird vision? (laughs) This is uh, one of those dreams that uh, if you had a dream like this, it might be troubling to you. And in fact, this is exactly what it says. The next verse, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. The visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I say that to say this. If reading that, you're like, this is weird stuff. Daniel agrees with you. This is weird stuff. And it was troubling to him and it disturbed him. And if you had a dream like this, I think you would, you would agree. It would be disturbing. And in fact, as we read uh, this particular vision of Daniel, there are, there are some things to keep in mind. Let me get this set first. Should have had this done already. I apologize. Where'd it go? There we go. Uh, this is, like I say, disturbing vision. But... He goes on and he explains this, uh, the rest of the chapter. He does give us some explanation of this particular vision. And we're going to talk about a little bit of it. I just want to tell you right now, though, that if, uh, that the way that this talks about it is with these various rulers. And if where your mind is going is already to, oh, this beast represents so-and-so and this one represents such-and-such, and you're going to specific times and places in history and identifying that, that's fine. Have at it, (laughs) but not right now, because that's not where we're going with this for right now, and I want us to stay on track together. So stay with me. We're going to look at this in kind of a bigger picture scheme uh, so we can understand uh, the question that people ask Jesus later, and we can understand uh, better the world that we are all living in now. So here we go. Um, When it talks about these beasts that are coming up, this is going back. This is something that, like, in order to understand this vision, we really do have to go all the way back to Genesis. And in Genesis uh, chapter 1, there is a reason that God makes people. You remember why it is that God makes people. We'll look at that in a second. Another thing is it goes back to a command that he gives to all people. Do you remember the first command that he gives to all people? I think typically when people think, what's the first command God gives? It is, thou shalt not eat from that tree, right? But that's not it. 
That's not the first thing he says. So let's go back to Genesis and we will see what it is, why people were made <laughs> and what it is that he gave them to do before ever mentioning uh, the tree. So uh, this is important just in sort of the big picture of what, what is life about, right? So we get in for all people. <laughs> Here's what it says. This is in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, and you go through all the creation of everything from big picture view. And it says, verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So why did he create them? be in his image, to reflect him, to reflect his glory to all creation. He doesn't say that about the other parts of creation, but he says that about humanity. Humanity has a unique role in all of creation to uniquely represent God to everything and to everyone. And then verse 28, like I say, the first command is not thou shalt not. Instead, verse 28, God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then he goes into what he has given to them to be able to eat. And we still don't even have a thou shalt not at all. What God has created people, the reason God has created people is to reflect him. And then he gives us something to do. And what he gives us to do is to do the kinds of things that he does. And that is to rule over his good creation. To rule over his good creation in partnership with him and in his way. So that there will be a flourishing and a fullness and abundance of life for everyone and everything. That's what people were supposed to do. This is the, uh, the calling on all humanity. And then we turn the page and you get to chapter three. In chapter two, we do get the don't eat from that tree. But even still, the first line is you are free to eat from every tree in the garden. Just not that one. Right. But they do. They do eat from that one. And when that happens, everything changes and the whole system gets turned upside down. And so instead of uh, people ruling in God's way and reflecting him, what we see is people grabbing for themselves and reflecting the beastly nature. And when I mean reflecting beastly nature, I'm not talking about like acting like animals when you, when you think of like your friend animals, like your animals that have been domesticated, your cats and your dogs, your pets, uh, even uh, kind of those beasts of burden that we kind of hang out with and go, yeah, we're, we're good. We're on good terms here. That works. Not that. I'm talking about the beastly nature of wild animals that want to kill you and destroy you and just tear you apart and eat you. That kind of, uh, that kind of nature is what we begin to reflect when we start taking for ourselves and, um, and thinking that we know better than God. Here's the deal. I don't know if you ever played this game as a kid. I remember playing this game as a kid when we were, I was probably six years old or so, and there was um, 
a house next door to us where they were building a new house. And so they had dug down to start with a basement. And so there was a big pile of dirt right next to our house, which as a six-year-old boy, that's pretty fantastic. So big pile of dirt right there. And, um, and so what we would play is you know, King of the Hill, or actually we called it King of the Mountain because, man, big pile of dirt to a six-year-old. So we're playing King of the Mountain. And the way that King of the Mountain works, if you ever played this or not, is the idea is to just be on top. You're on top, you win. And the longer you can stay on top, the better. And so, and, but the game never ends. I mean, it only ends when finally, you know, mom calls you in for dinner. So you just keep playing. And the way that you get to the top is by pulling everybody else down, pushing everybody else down. And you finally get up to the top. And then the goal is just to stay up there by pushing everybody down, kicking at everybody, <laughs> just trying to keep everybody else from knocking you off. This is the beastly nature of rulership. When we talk about king of the mountain like that, that's the pattern of, his, of history ever since Genesis 3. In fact, let's do a little test. I don't know where you're going to go. I don't know where you're going to think of what you're thinking here. But we're going to do a little test. Here we go. Uh, I want you to think back to any history class you have ever taken or just any period of history where you feel like you know something about that period of history. That can be any time in history, modern, ancient, anywhere in between. That can be anywhere around the globe, uh, here, the other side of the world, anywhere in between. So you go ahead and pick your period of history, pick your location in history. Got it? Now, I want you to think if the leaders and the rulers over the nations and the people at that time and that place more reflect a leadership that Adam and Eve were supposed to have, that humanity is supposed to have, of providing for the flourishing of all, or if it's more like King of the Mountain, where it is trampling over others and just trying to stay on top. Don't get me wrong. There have been leaders who do more or less of each of those things. But I'm going to guess that whatever period you picked and whatever location around the world you picked, it probably is more aligned with the king of the mountain type of leadership. Now, uh, if not, talk to me later. We can have a good conversation about uh, various people who have been leaders. But I would put forward that apart from God working in our lives, we all reflect this beastly nature. And, and I, I say that because it kind of sounds like I'm putting down all politicians. I'm not putting down all politicians. It's bigger than that. I'm putting down all people, <laughs> that we are all in this same boat, that we all have followed Adam and Eve. We have all uh, decided to take for ourselves. We have all responded uh, to God's offer of trust. And say, when he says, trust me, Every single one of us has said, no. Jesus didn't. This is where things get different. And this is where Daniel's vision is so cool. So now coming back to Daniel, uh, he talks about this vision that he has of these beasts coming up out of the water. Now, the water was a symbol of chaos, of things that 
uh, were dark and destructive. And so when these beasts come out of there, that's what it's looking at. That's why they're beasts. And he describes these rulers uh, that will come as beasts. They're not reflecting God. They're reflecting the beastly nature that wants to steal and kill and destroy, as Jesus says, the thief does. This is what they're doing, trampling over everyone. And there are distinctions between them. Every ruler does it a little bit differently, but does it really matter? If a lion is going to be tearing you apart or a bear is going to be tearing you apart, yeah, they'll do it differently, but do you really have a preference? <laughs> I mean, at that point, you're going to be torn apart either way. And so it's not, uh, well, you know, I'd rather be torn apart by a bear, I guess. I don't know. It's like, no, you shouldn't want any of those things. And so the further Daniel's vision goes, and you have this uh, lion wings, and then you have a, a, this uh, bear, and then you have uh, this leopard, and then you have this weird beast. It doesn't even tell what kind of animal it looks like. It just talks about this uh, iron teeth and jaw. This is, it just gets more and more terrifying, but all beastly and all destructive and all trampling and all not ruling in the way humanity was supposed to rule. And so at this point in the vision, it's almost like, Daniel, wake up. <laughs> what a terrible nightmare. Let's not keep this going. But then, but then he says there's something that happens that's different, something that changes the whole scene, and that is the Ancient of Days, which is a fantastic way to talk about God. <laughs> the, the Ancient of Days, this one who... Uh, always was, always is, and always will be. The one who describes himself as I am who I am. Then he says the ancient of days uh, takes his seat and uh, you know, there are thrones set before him. And this is what is, uh, what's taking place. And it's almost like, no, please, please, please don't put one of the beasts on these thrones. Don't let them rule. We have had enough of that. And so as you see beast after beast after beast in these thrones, you're going, oh no. But then... The beasts are destroyed. The power is taken away from them. And then Daniel says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was not another beast. Not another beast, but one like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, what does son of man mean in the Old Testament? Son of man means human. This is something that actually kind of shows up in the Narnia books. Uh, by C.S. Lewis, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, etc. You have this whole uh, world full of animals, talking animals, and then some people show up, these four kids, and the way that they talk about the people is by calling them sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And so C.S. Lewis sort of carries this idea forward that that's a way of just saying human. This son of man, it's one like a son of man. So it's not a beast. It's actually human. That's who shows up. But coming with the clouds of heaven... And so you have this one who is human, but who also bears this divine glory. Hmm. Interesting. Here's why we bring this up today. I told you I'd tell you in a minute. We go to John chapter 12. People are asking Jesus. Uh, they say, we've heard from the law. This is John chapter 12, verse 34. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? We'll talk about all that next week. Then they say, who is this Son of Man? Why are they asking about the Son of Man? 
It's because this is Jesus' favorite way of talking about himself. He keeps talking about himself as the son of man, or you could even say the human one. The human. The man. And so uh, this is the way Jesus talks about himself. And they're like, so who is this? And if you think back to Daniel, what Jesus says makes sense. When you look at what we just read in Matthew of how he tells the high priest, you'll see this other man coming with the clouds of heaven. Hmm, does that sound like Daniel? Yes, it does. Jesus is talking about this, that he is looking at the entire vocation of humanity given to us from the beginning where God says, you know, that you are to rule over all of this creation I've made in a way that reflects my glory and provides for the flourishing of all. And no one's done it. And everyone has reflected the beasts instead. And then the good news of Daniel's vision is that's not the end of the story. Yeah, it'll get worse before it gets better from his uh, point in time. But then there will come one, the son of man. And he will actually be given authority and glory and sovereign power. And people from everywhere are going to worship him. All different kinds of people are going to worship him. And that his kingdom is one that will last forever. And his dominion is one that will never be destroyed. And this is one of the things that we have talked about um, again and again, that when we talk about the good news of Jesus, it is that the one person who should be king out of all the people who've ever existed, the one person who should be the king is the king. And that's good news. Here's the way that um, Paul talks about why uh, that's the case. This is in uh, Philippians chapter 2. I should have marked. Philippians chapter 2, it says that being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the good news that everybody else, like I was saying earlier, when God has said, trust me, walk with me, follow me, we have all said no. Jesus always said yes. Jesus is the human who shows us what it's like to be human and who shows us what it's like to do what it is that all humanity was called to do as he completely submits to his father, as he humbles himself and says, not my will, but yours be done. And Paul says he didn't just do this when it was convenient. He did it all the way to death, even death on a cross. And so while everybody had been clamoring for another king of the hill kind of leader, and Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and everybody's saying, yes, good. It's about time that uh, someone from our team wins. We'll get somebody from our team on the top and knock off the other guys. And then at least we'll be on top for a while. But Jesus didn't ride up into Jerusalem to play king of the mountain. Instead, he went outside of Jerusalem later that week and went up on a hill and onto a cross. And he gave his life for the good of others. Or as he puts it in Mark 10, 
the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is why Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. This is what he came to do. And what's amazing is this is what he calls us and invites us to join in with him. This life. Things are weird now. Things are almost as weird now as they were in Daniel's vision. (laughs) But as Jesus says in John 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Listen, there are a lot of things right now that are getting our attention for what we can't do that we used to be able to do, that we can't do that we want to be able to do. But I want us to remember that Jesus still comes to give life and give it to the full. That the things that uh, he has called us to do, we can still do for one another, even when we can't necessarily be with one another. And here's something else cool. In uh, Daniel's vision, as it's explained to him what this is about, it's the people. The people that this Son of Man represents. That when Jesus steps into this role, and he is the one who does what is right, then he calls us into that. And so we all kind of join him in reigning together and in reflecting the glory of God in the way that we were always created to be. We now have access to this other way of life. We don't have to reflect the beasts anymore. We can reflect our creator and the goodness of God and his love and his mercy and his grace and compassion. This is what we can reflect because of Jesus. And this is what is talked about throughout the rest of the New Testament. And this is what it talks about when Paul talks about being in Christ. And it's what we see is getting even into the book of Revelation. It's those who are in him who persevere. It's those who are in him who have the victory. It's not the victory of king of the mountain, though. It's the victory of the cross, of suffering, of laying out our lives. And yet, that is the way that Jesus describes as having real life, the life we were meant to have, and a life that is a full life. So look, right now, things are weird. I didn't know this was all coming. But as I've mentioned before, one of the things that I pray often is, God, I don't know what's coming next but you do. And so prepare me now for what's coming ahead. And I believe he does that. And I believe he does that not only for me, but for this church and not only for this church, but for the church around the world. And I believe that right now the church has been, been being prepared for this moment, even though we didn't know this moment was coming because right now there are people who are afraid and who are anxious and who are worried, who are grieving And they are looking for people who are marked by other things, who are marked by faith and hope and love, who are marked by by joy and peace in the midst of all of this. This is the real life. This is life. And these, these things are things that no virus can take away. We can continue to follow Jesus We can continue to care for each other and we can continue to reflect the glory of God as we submit to him and follow him and be shaped by him 
to let the world know that there is good news and that it is still good news. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made. And God, we do thank you for, uh, for making us, for creating this whole world, and God, for inviting us to participate in your life. Or for giving us uh, responsibilities, things to do. Lord, we pray that you would help us in this time to have our perspective right. Lord, that we would see things as you see them, that we would see people as you see them. God, that we would see our roles and responsibilities in light of who you are and who you're calling us to be in Jesus. God, forgive us for the times that we uh, instinctively act like beasts. Lord, give us the humility to serve one another in love, to be willing to lay down our lives for the good of others. Lord, we pray all this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.